Well, good morning. I wish I wish I could go to that um, double nickel, but I'm not old enough. So, so did you get? Did you guys? Can you? The ones that need to go. Did you hear me? Okay. All right. <laughs> hey. So, um, so a few things. One, the shirts. Uh, if you want to be like all the cool kids that are wearing these. Um, you can get that for, we're going to be taking pictures and doing some stuff later. You can grab one of those shirts. Um, we, we suggest a donation, but, you know, we just want you to have the shirts, too. It's, it's just a cheesy way for us to raise money for the building. You understand that, right? Okay. Um, we're doing that. And, and I, could, you, I, could quote the, uh, I could quote the mayor of New York and say, the smart people are wearing these shirts. So... Um, so a, a few things that are happening. We're going to do this immediately after the service. This is this can be a little bit shorter service than normal. He says, hopefully, uh, and then we're going to go right out there. I didn't do it like that, Paul. <laughs> Did you see that? Okay. So we're going to be doing it right out here, <laughs> and we're going to be we're going to be uh, digging and doing some things like that. Um, I did, I did uh, get shovels for the occasion. I looked around a long time to find some very, very cheap shovels, so we were not, we're not going to dig deep because they won't make it. But <clears throat> and then after that, we'll be having dinner, all those kind of things. Who made, a, who made a dish? Who made a side dish? Good. Who put bacon in your dish? Thank you. Thank you. I can depend on my nephew. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so... The, um, the, we, we, did, we did actually start uh, digging this week. The, the, one of the track hoes was out there digging. They were digging over here, and they actually were digging on this side some, too, because they were looking for the sewer. I was actually helping them find the sewer. I've pumped that thing out enough. I know exactly where it is. But they, 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 so they were looking over there. But when they first started digging over here, this was like Tuesday morning, right? They're, they're digging over here. They're getting some stuff ready, doing something. I don't know exactly what they were doing. But they dug down, and immediately we... Uh, struck water. They didn't hit a pipe or anything. It was, I didn't know this, but um, this, this whole area behind us here for quite a few miles is a, like a rock shelf, and all of the water, when it rains and all this stuff, all the water flows this direction. And uh, within five or six feet, they found a lot of water. And um, apparently, you wouldn't look, you wouldn't know it by looking at our property, but there's a lot of water under our property. And so this, is, this means they're going to have to start uh, pumping the water out while they are digging the, during the whole thing. Um, just to make it fun and uh, add a lot of money to the cost. And so, so be praying about this. I know we can somehow, you know, God's bigger than water draining into the hole, right? We know that he is. I don't, hear, I don't hear amens on that one. We need to know this. Uh, so be praying about that because this could cost a lot of extra money. We don't want that to happen. But they are digging. They're doing this stuff. It, it's pretty exciting to watch this stuff happen around here. Um, I, want to, I, I want to speak about this this morning to make sure that, uh, that, that we're staying focused with this. I, I, was, um, I talked about this last week. So I'm going to talk a little bit more in a little bit different direction next week also about this. But to make sure we're staying <clears throat> focused on who we are and uh, what we're trying to accomplish here, the, 
the, um, the building of a building, I know that, that um, for some churches this becomes like the, the focus and the attention and that kind of thing. Uh, that's not going to be us. We're going we're gonna to do the best we can to stay away from that. In fact, I'll give you my philosophy when it comes to building buildings. I think you always need to build a uh, little smaller than what you need. And the, and the reason is because you can always stack in multiple services and do all kinds of stuff. The, the most unused space in many uh, facilities around the country are churches, sanctuaries. They're very unused spaces. That's not how we operate here, obviously. Our, all of our spaces are very used spaces. Um, so we, we want to make sure that we're, we're using the money properly, we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, and that it's accomplishing the goal. And the goal is not to just get people in the building. I, I, I get this every now and then. I've been doing this for 30 years, so I get this, this uh, concept or this question or things like this, that there is a mentality that some people have that they don't like megachurches. Megachurches are automatically, because it's a megachurch, it's automatically uh, not hearing from God or it's a, a bad situation or whatever. Or it's compromising, right? If it's, if it's a megachurch, it's compromised. Not, not always, okay? That they, there, there is a possibility of having a megachurch that is, that is not compromised and very solid, and I, I could name some of those. But, but, the, but the thing with that is, is the challenge in a church in any setting is, is we're not just trying to get people in the doors. This is very important that, we're, that we keep focused on this. We're not just trying to get people in the doors, we're trying to help people understand who Jesus is, know who he is, and serve him. That's the point. So, so when people are talking about preaching truth and compromising and things like that, that's not going to happen around here because we're not, we're not preaching and teaching stuff to get people in the building. We're preaching and teaching stuff to get people to Jesus and to eternity. And so that's not going to be, we're not going to mix that up. We're not going to mess that, uh, cross those lines. So then, therefore, that theoretically, um, I'm saying this in faith, theoretically, everybody that's sitting in the church every weekend wants to know truth and know who Jesus is, right? Theoretically. If not, you know who you are. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. You're like, I don't want truth. Um, that, so that's the, that's the concept. We're not just trying to get people in the doors, all right? In, in that thinking... Um, I want us to, to go to Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> uh, my wife did have a good idea. She said just a little bit ago, and I think this is, I think this is solid. Um, if you have not given to the building fund, we expect you to use this today. You will be digging the basement for the new building. How about that? That sound like a good plan? Again, you know who you are. Matthew chapter 28. This is, I, I, I keep coming back to the scripture because I think this is important for us to keep in mind what the church, not just church of Briargate, but what the church is about. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, this is very important. I, I pick on this sometimes because the church has changed this enough that it has become something different. The word means something different in the church today than it did 2,000 years ago when Jesus said this. Jesus said, go to the nations, go to the lost people and make disciples, make people into, by teaching, preaching, they're following your life. You make them into the people that are following Jesus Christ and then their life exhibits that, displays, plays out that Jesus is their God. 
We've changed that today, and we, the word discipleship or disciple-making today means you're giving people that have gone to church for years information that they basically have heard for years. That's, that's not what this says. Jesus, he's the authority. Jesus said, go to the nations, go to lost people and make disciples. The, the, the reason that the church gets smaller every single year statistically, you guys know that, right? The church is crashing in America. We, we, we get smaller. Even just natural size of family should say, even just the fact that church is open all the time, shouldn't there at least be some newer people in the church? I mean, there are newer, but what's happening is this, a lot are dropping out also. The church statistically gets smaller in the United States every year. That's horrible. We're not making disciples. We're doing a bunch of stuff. In fact, I think one of the things that happened for a long time, we, we, we did this a lot from like probably 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, is we made a lot of converts in the church, but we didn't make disciples. And then what happened with these converts is they were also being taught um, unconditional eternal security or once saved, always saved. And so then they get converted, they pray a prayer and, and, and not questioning their, their free will or their seriousness of the moment. I'm not legitimate converts, serious in the moment, but then they're taught it doesn't matter after that. So then their, con their convert status quickly became no relationship with Jesus. No, no foundational relationship with Jesus. No ongoing desire that Jesus is going to be my, my, uh, the groom and I'm the bride. And, and so there's, there's that element of I need relationship. I need deep connection with him. I need this. That wasn't there. It was, I was a convert. We checked the box. I'm on my way to heaven. I can move on with my life. As in the, and it has destroyed the church. It is hurting us so deeply. We need relationship. We need, e even in the goofiness and the brokenness that is humanity, relationship with Jesus will keep you through that stuff. It'll, it'll get you to the other side of it. Right? So he says, go to the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Oh, that scared me. And the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Do you see this? Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. If they're disciples, we're, we're teaching, we're developing. We didn't just pray with them and move on. We didn't just have them shake the pastor's hand and move on. We're growing together. We're doing life together. This is, this is so important that we at the, as the church begin to understand this deeper and deeper every day and embrace this. Because if there comes a point in the future, and, I, and again, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm being chicken little here. I, I really do believe that, that the church is not going to be able to have the ability to um, get together in the near future. I think, that is, I think that that is in danger right now. Think about this. Our, our, our country right now is willing for thousands of nurses to be fired so that they can control, they, they call it the, for the health, it's not, it's a control thing, it, the mandate, all this stuff. Thousands of nurses to be done because they can't control them. That, that we're in a dangerous place in our country. 
We, we passed we may be socialists pretty soon. We done jumped in the deep end on that one. The idea that we're losing all kinds of government workers. And that now, now they're not only saying, military, if you don't get the vaccine, we're kicking you out. They're also saying you will not be able to have an honorable discharge. It will be other than honorable discharge because you didn't get a flu shot. This is crazy. I think the church is going to get to a point where we can't have church. When that happens, we need to make sure that, we're, that we know who Jesus is in our life and that we are giving this to others, that we are passing this along, that we are making disciples, that we are teaching people. We have not had to do that. We have not had a necessity for that in the United States. We've allowed professional guys like me to do that. And, and, we, and the professionals have not done a good job. But it's you guys I'm a hired professional. You're not, right? You're an unprofessional. So the, the church has not taken the responsibility for this. We don't see that in the church world. We don't see that the way that the next generation knows is from all of us. We think, well, if we just have a youth pastor and a children's pastor, we'll bring the kids and it'll all be okay. <clears throat> 6%. Of millennials, 35, I'm going to include Gen Z too, 6% of 35 and under do not have a biblical worldview. 6%. Do you realize that's almost within the space of margin of error? That could be almost zero with margin of error. Think about that. That almost no millennials have a, have a biblical worldview, that there is a, a, a right and wrong, that God's law is true, that God is real, all these things, that's a biblical worldview. It doesn't exist. And, and the Lord is saying, has been saying to us for 2,000 years, go to the nations and make disciples. And obviously, in America, we have not been doing that. If we were, the church would at least be staying the same. I don't even think that's a legitimate argument. It would have to be growing if we were making disciples, right? So, Church of Briargate exists. This is our mission statement. Church of Briargate exists to enable people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to supernaturally draw close to Jesus Christ. That's you and I and everybody. We want to do the best we can. Church of Briargate exists to help me draw closer to Jesus Christ. Church of Briargate exists to help you draw closer to Jesus Christ, Okay? Church at Briargate exists to help your neighbor draw closer to Jesus Christ. Saved or not saved, draw closer to Jesus. Somewhere in that process, they give their heart to Jesus Christ. In the process of me drawing closer to Jesus Christ, I am also supposed to be bringing along as many others as possible. That's making disciples of the nations. I'm bringing people along with me on this journey. I need people to know Jesus, and so I'm going to do the best I can to bring them along on this journey. They, they may not know Jesus yet, but I'm going to keep working at it and keep working at it. And then as they get to know Jesus and they accept him as their Savior, I don't just move on to somebody else. They're now one of my disciples. I know that sounds weird because that, you know, that sounds cultish. You know, that, that's, this is my disciple. That but that's what it is. It's, it's somebody that you have helped to know Jesus, and other people are helping too, but you're trying to bring them along to know Jesus better. As we've got to do that, I'm going to hit that a little bit more here in a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, I had put, I knew we were doing this uh, One Soul series for a while now, and, uh, but, but last week, week before last, I was down in Texas 
at the university down there and doing some board meetings and things. <clears throat> and in one of our board meetings, we had a, a um, devotion, and he spoke about the exact thing I'm going to talk about, which was nice. I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm going to take notes. Um, he didn't say anything revolutionary. No, he, he was good. But uh, I, I got to thinking about this. You know, this is always going to be the deal with all of us. Okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. So we know what Timothy is being taught, right? Because Paul wrote a lot of it down. We know what Timothy was being taught. You can't say, well... He said what I taught you, but we don't know what that is. Yes, you do. It's called 1st, 2nd Corinthians. It's called Romans. It's called Hebrews. We know what Paul taught. And he tells Timothy, Timothy, you know what I've taught. Now, teach these, truth, these truths to trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So Paul teaches them to Timothy then Timothy is supposed to teach them to people that he will also help teach them the importance of and how to teach them to others. So it continues. It continues. We, it, somebody, somebody told you about Jesus Christ probably before you heard me say anything about Jesus. The chances of you just showing up to church and not ever hearing who, about who Jesus is and me being the first person to say it to you is pretty slim. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody either took you to church at some time, said something, you saw something, on TV you heard something. Somebody told you about Jesus. That is, that is important first for you, but then also you're supposed to teach it to others. But then these others are supposed to teach it to others. So somewhere you have to be helping develop and teach and train that they also have to be passing that along. This is so important, and somewhere along the way, we have, we have missed the pass it along part. So what we do is we come to churches, and we listen to somebody like me talk about the Bible, read the Bible, and then we, we wrap it up, do whatever we do, but there's not a pass it along mentality. When do I pass it along? When do I carry that to somebody else? When do I say that to somebody else? Here's some things that we know that, that Paul taught, Timothy, these are things that Paul taught us and that other people have taught us, but here's some things that we need to be passing along. Jesus is God. We need to pass that along. I, I just saw the movie this week um, uh, that um, Dinesh D'Souza put out called, or he helped produce or something called Infidel. I was a little discouraged because it had some bad language in it, but, but um, very solid movie about uh, uh, the guy that played um, Jim Caviezel, the guy that played Jesus. He is a Christian in this, and he's in an Arab country. He's in Iran, and on a TV show being interviewed, and he talks about Jesus is his Savior, and Jesus is God. Because the guy's saying, oh, Jesus is a good prophet. He said, yeah, but he's also God. And that started the whole thing, and they, they, they well, they did a lot of bad things to him. Put him in jail, did all kinds of stuff. Um, put him in a firing line, execution line, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and it's just because he said, Jesus is God. He's not just a great prophet. He's God. And as that's, that's what we have to be passing along to others. We have to be sharing that with other people. 
There is no hope for this world unless Jesus is God. I'm going to talk about this a little bit next week about darkness and and what that looks like and how Satan does things. But but I was thinking about this this last week. I saw this guy, probably a 25-year-old guy. I was at Sam's buying uh, burgers for you today. And um, and this guy was was uh, blatantly um, homosexual, dressed, acted, everything. And I thought, you know, he is he is unimportant collateral damage to Satan. Satan enjoys that, but he is the most important person on the planet to Jesus Christ. And and Satan has got him wrapped up, and he's got him in darkness, and he's. And this isn't somebody that's just dipping his toe in this transgender stuff. That's going on a lot right now. This kid had obviously been horribly sexually abused as a child and was being and, and is being now, because I know how the community works, and is being just passed around from man to man today. That's, that's who this kid is. And I thought, Satan is getting a real kick out of this. Satan, the, the darkness and the evil of Satan is, is enjoying this guy. But you know, Jesus died for him and loves him more than any person that could ever possibly love him. And he wants to save him and rescue him. I, I couldn't get this out of my head. It just I was standing in line for a while and he was right in front of me. And, and I, I kept trying to th- I, praying, God, how do I, can I say something to this guy? How do I do that? I mean, how do you, I don't know. I mean, I'm always telling you how to witness. And then I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say without addressing it. And, and getting, because there was not just him, there was about five guys there all together that were like a little posse. And um, it just hurt me. It hurt me so deeply. Satan is, is, is destroying people. He's pulling their soul out and trampling on it. And as a society, we're helping it. We're helping it. Because the schools have to embrace this with the kids. Society has to embrace this with the kid. And you're, you're some kind of homophobic bigot if you realize and say out loud that this is destructive, that this is evil, that it is sin and it is destroying people. And Satan is pulling their soul out and he's laughing the whole time. He's getting a big kick out of this. And, and we have truth. We have truth. Another thing that we're supposed to be passing along is that Jesus Christ, he came to this earth and put on human flesh so he specifically could die in that human flesh so that you and I could live eternally. That, that, that's a truth we have to pass along. That Jesus' blood makes me right with God, forgives my sins, and makes me right with God. That is a truth that we have to pass along to others. And we have to encourage them to pass it along to others. That without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for you or me or anybody. There is nothing without Jesus Christ. We have to be passing this along to others. That God took time off a run in the universe so he could step into human flesh for you and me. I've said this before. I, I think a million years from now when we're in eternity, I think we're going to look back on this tiny little space of time called humanity on this earth, and I really believe that the biggest miracle that we're going to recognize that's ever happened is not Jesus dying on the cross. Now, for us in this human flesh, in this world right now, limited to this broken human flesh, 
It is the most important thing that could ever happen for us. Hands down. Without, without Jesus dying on the cross, I don't get to be thinking about this a million years from now in eternity. Okay? But when I get to that point, I really believe when we see the full scope or more of the full scope of who God is and God's plan and everything, I really believe that the greatest miracle that we will realize at that point in time is that God stepped into human flesh. That, 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 that God chose that as the path of how to save us. And then he limits himself to this tiny little human flesh so that he could then be brutalized and die. God squeezed down. I don't even know how God does that. But God is big enough to fit into this little human flesh. Think about that. And we're supposed to pass this stuff on. Now he says in a little bit here, he has these little statements that he's wrapping up a lot of stuff in one statement. He's doing it in such a way that you get it from different points of view and, and different ways, but they're, but they're not, he doesn't explain the statements. He just says it. And then, in fact, in verse 7 here in 2 Timothy, he says, um, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand these things. He's almost saying it in like a riddle kind of way, kind of a Confucius kind of way. Um, I, I was thinking about this this week. There's a, the, the, the statement, uh, um, buy a man, uh, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. That's this kind of statement. I was thinking about this this week because I saw a meme of um, President Biden saying that statement. And he said, fish for, for a lifetime with men and, and you can eat stuff and know things. <laughs> so... So verse 3, <clears throat> endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Look, look at this, endure suffering along with me. Paul is making this expectation. I've been, I've been pushing this more over the last few years because first the Lord is showing me this more and also because I think we have so lost this in our American Christianity. In fact, we worked hard at this from the 60s to about the, the late 80s. We worked really hard at taking all suffering and difficulties off the table theologically. In other words, if you're a Christian, everything will always be good. If you're a Christian, you're going to be wealthier. If you're a Christian, you're going to get the promotion at work. If you're a Christian, you, you're not going to get sick. We got, we, this, this so invaded Christianity, so invaded, and it's very destructive philosophy, theology. Paul didn't agree with it. Paul didn't think that way. Paul explained all the times he was beaten and even stoned to death one time. Stoned to death. And then God raised him up. And he says, I've, I've suffered all the whipped. He talks about all this stuff. Well, according to our modern American Christian thinking, he wasn't a very good Christian. If you're, if you're getting abused and beat up that much, maybe you, need to, maybe you need to claim it more or something. Right? And Paul is saying here, you're going to deal with suffering. It is part of being a Christian. Now, I do believe that we can live blessed and we can live victorious. There's no doubt about that. But you live blessed and victorious in the middle of the stuff. This is one of the things we don't process in the church sometimes. In James chapter 5, it says, now, are there any sick people? You have the elders of the church lay hands on them and pray for them, right? You know what that scripture tells me? There are sick people in the body of Christ. And James didn't see that as wrong. He just knows the solution to it. 
which is pray, lay hands on them, pray, and God will save the sick. He says it. By the way, it does say save the sick, not heal the sick. In modern translation, some it says heal the sick because they're not translating it properly. That's a whole different subject. It says save the sick, right? We know the answer. When you're, Jesus says when, not if, when you are brought before um, rulers and, and kings and things like that, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. There is that blessing and that amazingness in the middle of the problem. But the problems are still going to be there, right? And so he says to Timothy, endure the suffering. Why? Because Jesus endured suffering, and you're a good soldier for Jesus. We need to think more like that. We need to think more like a soldier for Jesus. You're a soldier for Jesus. I'm a soldier for Jesus. So then he says, soldiers, since he used that example, and he's going to use three different categories here, but the first one, soldiers. He said, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Now, who is the officer we're trying to please? Jesus. It's not the world. It's not some politician. It's not something else. And this is where he's saying, don't get tied up with the affairs of civilian life. Now, I've been pushing this a lot lately, and I will. I'll continue. But I think that, that um, some of you, many of you, more than think you, should get involved in things in politics and stuff like that in your local community. I think you need to get on school boards. I think you need to um, get involved in... in um, Local politics like, um, like city council and county commissioners and things like that, I think you need to do that stuff. I think as a Christian, you, you, there's a, at least a little bit of an obligation to do that. Because if you say, no, I, you know, I, I'm not going to, Christians shouldn't get involved in that stuff, then that means the ungodly are making all the decisions. And, and we're, that's, our country is tanking because the ungodly are making the decisions. Okay? So I do believe you need to get involved. I do. I strongly believe that. More than most pastors will ever say. I believe that. But I also believe you cannot allow yourself to get caught up in the goofiness of the discussions and the debates and the fights all the time. You're not, you're not helping anything. You, you have this big fight online. Okay, but nothing's different. When? When? Show me. Where somebody on Facebook said, wow, I have not considered your side. I am now a follower of your ideas. Show me. When that happens, you take a screenshot of that and you send it to me. Okay? I'll give you another one. In an argument with your spouse, when has the spouse, it doesn't matter the gender, when has the spouse ever stopped and said, you know what? That is a valid point. I have never considered that. I am now on your side with this. I have been wrong. I agree with you. Right? That's not how it works. You make the change by getting involved, not getting tied up in the affairs. Get involved and do something. Don't just talk about it. Don't just discuss it. If you feel like your neighborhood is going downhill, do something about it. Don't talk about it. Do something. If you think your neighborhood's getting trash, there's trash everywhere, get a bag and go pick it up. Complain about it doesn't do anything. Right? Do something. Don't just get tied up in the affairs. But the reason that you're doing something is because you are a soldier of Christ, and as a soldier of Jesus, you have responsibility. 
And that responsibility is to engage. Do stuff. Talk to people. Witness to people. Do something. Don't just, don't just get caught up in the goofiness. <clears throat> All right. As athletes, verse 5, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Now, because it's in the, the next sentence, it's still in the context of the soldier for Jesus. So in other words, you can say, as an athlete for Jesus. That's the point of this. He's continuing with this in the Greek, and the way the Greek flows, it is, you've, got your, you've got your subject and everything flows out of the subject. Okay? So he's saying, you guys smell something? <sighs> It's also pleasing in the smell of the Lord. Did you know that? <laughs> you know that's why we did grillers the way we do. At grillers, we cook hamburgers and hot dogs or brats or something like that, and then we pray. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. They put the meat on the altar, and it was a sweet fragrance to the Lord. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not. You cook some meat, and then you pray, because why? God came in. He smelled it cooking. I'm, I'm pretty deep theologically. You guys just don't know it. <laughs> and athletes of Christ, athletes of Christ cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Well, the same way that the soldier is um, serving the officer enlisted, which is Jesus, the athlete is running what race? The race Jesus set. That's what Paul talks about. He's running the race. This just, uh, that didn't mean he just entered a local 5K. He is running a specific race. What is this? It's the race of life toward Jesus Christ as the groom. So this, these athletes are running or are competing or being athletes in what? In the context of Jesus Christ. So then when it says you're not going to win, you're not going to get the prize, you're not going to marry the groom unless you follow the rules. What are the rules? The Bible's the rules. The rules are what Jesus established. Now this is important because as an athlete running for Jesus, serving Jesus, I cannot live by the rules of society. I must live by the rules of Jesus Christ. And I cannot compromise on that. And guys, we are being pushed more and more in our society today to compromise on this. That we, that we're, that we're, we, we have to do this. The government's telling us to do it. And these, some of these things, some of, them are, are, some of them are benign. Okay, I get this. This is part of the deal with the whole vaccine with me. If they would have just said, hey, we have a vaccine if you want it. It would have been like, okay, no big deal. In fact, this, this, you have to follow my reasoning here to get to, to, let me get to the end of it. If they would have just said, hey, here's the vaccine, no big deal, I might have considered getting it. And one of the main reasons I am not going to get the vaccine, because they are wanting me to so bad. Not even because of the mandate. The mandate just makes it a guarantee. I'm not doing it. You're going to tell me, no, I ain't doing it. Just because of that. But the, the concern that I have is why are they so adamant that I get it? These are the same people that believe in abortion. These are the same people that believe in taking away your rights. These are the same people that are pushing LGBT. These are the same people that believe that every immoral thing should be brought to light and kids should be taught sexual immorality at five years old by transgender cross-dressers. This is the crowd. Now, when they say to me, oh, this is good for you, I go, hmm. 
Hold on. I don't think it is. And I'm not even sure why. But you think it is, and that's enough for me. I'm serious about that. I don't trust them. That's, that is the first whole thing of this. I've had people ask me, why did you not have church? I mean, why did you have church at the very beginning and not cancel when, the, when all of the COVID and the pandemic and all the other stuff started? Because the people that were shouting at the loudest that we need to close, I do not trust. And I knew there was, there was a moral base for this, not just a political one. That's, that's why we kept the doors open, because I do not trust those people. They are evil. They are dark. They are liars. They are sinners. And if it's coming out of their mouth, I better go the other direction. That's why we kept the doors open. That was the start of it. That was started conversation. Right? As an athlete, whose rules am I following? Jesus' rules. So I'm going to run this race the way he says I'm supposed to run it, not according to the way the world says I'm supposed to run it. He says, now, hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. I love this because he doesn't just say farmers, he said hardworking. This is important, I think. We don't, we don't, we're not just farmers, we're farmers that are working very intentionally and hard at what we're accomplishing. And so what, are, what at farmers, for Jesus, farmers in Jesus, athletes in Jesus, soldiers in Jesus, what, what, are we, what are we farming? Scripture tells us that the harvest is souls. I, I've done a whole series on this, and I I'm just hit it briefly here. But we spend a lot of time in the church celebrating all of the stuff that goes along with farming, but not the harvest. Until a soul is saved... Heaven does not celebrate. The church celebrates every time we till the ground or rake the, the grass or, or pick a weed or something. The church celebrates, oh, we have done such amazing things. Woo, we are awesome. Look at what we did. But heaven is not celebrating until somebody gets saved. And we have convinced ourselves for so long that all the work of farming is just as important as the harvest and it is not. It's important. It has its place. But until something has been harvested, which is a soul going from hell to heaven, then we have not harvested anything. You don't harvest weeds. You don't harvest dirt. You don't harvest water. You harvest the, the crop. And that's souls. And we, and we haven't got to that point oftentimes in the church. If I'm a hard-working farmer, I'm not successful until the crop has been produced. And then he says that this crop that, that it will be produced, the farmers get to enjoy the fruit of the labor first. And I love that because you get to be the one that prays with somebody. That's, that's what he's talking about. You get to see the life. You get to see this, this person change. You get to see this soul saved. I love I love working with brand new Christians. I love praying with people. There's nothing greater, guys. There's nothing greater. And if you've done this, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing greater than praying with somebody to accept Jesus as your Savior. You walk away feeling like that warrior in Christ, like nothing else. That this is what I am for. This is what life is about. When somebody says, I do need Jesus as my Savior. Guys, that's the fruit of the labor, and that's the big... 
That's that farmer gets the first part of this. And then the benefits of that, which is for another message. But then he says, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand these things. I love this. So I, 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 to reiterate, I put it into five things. First one, God's word is to be passed along. We reproduce what we are, not just what we say. As my kids are adults now, some of the things that I see as, as um, good and bad, but I see they're following more what I did than what I said. As a pastor, I say a lot of things. I try to live up to it. I'm not just saying. I'm not just getting up here and going, eh. But, but I, I don't always follow through and live up to some of the stuff. And, and I see sometimes my kids, they, they catch on to that and they run with that. I'm like, I said so many good things. Why did you follow that? Because you pass on what you are. You reproduce what you are, not what you say. Right? Second thing, endure suffering. We've got to endure suffering. The third thing, a soldier of Jesus follows only Jesus. We don't get caught up in the other stuff. And number four, I follow the rules of God. As this athlete, I follow God's rules, not the world's rules. Number five, we work hard. If you really stay in there and you're intentional and, you, and you're praying and you're, you're doing the things you got to do, you, God will honor that. God will honor just sticking to it. For, for some of you that are younger and you're, you're and, I, and I'm talking even more than just spiritual stuff here, but I'm telling you one of the best things in life that you can learn early, and we usually don't learn this early, is just stay in there. Just keep at it. Just keep praying. Keep serving God. Get that Bible open one more time. Just keep doing it. Keep talking to your kids. Keep it. Because someday it will produce what God set it out to do. You just got to stick in there. Right? Stay in there. Don't, don't give up. Marriage is difficult sometimes. Stick it out. It, it, will, it will work out. Keep it now. Don't just stick it out with nothing. Pray, seek God, all that. But but stay in there. I had a youth pastor that worked for me years ago. He called me about a maybe a year ago, maybe not, maybe a little bit sooner than that. I can't remember exactly. But <clears throat> he was actually messaging me, and he said, "I just want you to know that I felt like I I left too early when I was your youth pastor. I should have stayed there." And and he and I didn't all, didn't really end on good terms. He wasn't the only one wanting him to go. <laughs> And, uh, and I told him, I said, I was wrong also by um, encouraging you to leave too. We both were wrong. He should have stayed longer. I should have been more graceful and helped him stay longer. And he said, I think, I think you and I both, we missed a bunch there. We should have worked much longer together, and we should have. Guys, it's, it's easy now to say it years later. What could have happened if we would have worked at it a little bit more? If we would have tried a little harder? Right? Stick in there. Do that kind of thing. So... Here's the question I'm going to ask. I've been asking this some lately. What is your network? What, if the church cannot meet tomorrow, what are the people that you have been building around your life that you're discipling? Lost people you're discipling. People that are discipling you. You're mentoring people. People are mentoring you. What is your network that you are establishing right now? You cannot wait until this all goes down and something bad happens. You got to, this is the same reason that people struggle when they go through difficult things in life because they have not built that network. They, haven't, they don't have those people around them to pray and, then, and they just blatant, uh, 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 inadvertently put it on Facebook, say, pray for me, I'm going through this. That's not your committed family. 
They don't care about you. You need to have a network of people, so you need to be working on it now. Who are you witnessing to and ministering to? Who are you helping minister and witness to the next person? This is, this is what Paul told Timothy, right? So guys, we can't just listen to this stuff and go, oh, that was a, that was a great sermon. No, we've got to be doing something. If you're not going to do something with this, you're, 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 you're stopping what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Who are you ministering to and who are you witnessing to and, and, and are you helping them witness and minister to the next person? If you say, well, I don't know if I have that. Work on it. Be intentional about it. Just walk to your next door neighbor and say, hey, we're going to be getting together once a month for coffee at the house. We're going to invite some friends and neighbors. And, and you, don't, you don't have to have a Bible study. I can just get to know them through the conversations. You can tell them about Jesus somewhere along the way. I can promise you, you meet with somebody two or three times in your house and they're going to tell you what's going on in their life. Most likely, they're going to tell you the first time they get together. They're going to tell you all the stuff. And you can start saying things like, you know what? I'm going to pray for you about this. You don't have to say, okay, well then turn with me in my Bible. You don't have to do that. Just start with something simple like, I'm going to pray with you. About, I'm going to pray for you about this. And then before they leave, say, do you, do you want me to pray with you? I don't have to, but I can pray with you before you go. Because these are simple ways. Pass this along. What's your network? Who are the people you're ministering to that will minister to the next one? And who are ministering to you? Right? So I want our board members. Board members, stand if you will. I know some are outside. I know two. Okay, so I need you board members to come up here. You, you can, somebody can step in there for you, Jason. Yes, your two boys will handle it. I feel very confident with this. <laughs> Touch nothing. All right. So you guys pick up a shovel. <laughs> Looks natural in her hand. Okay, this is like uh, the, the bequeathing moment, right? The, the sword thing, da, da, that kind of thing. All right, these guys are representing something that's pretty big here. They're representing uh, board members that have been board members and are not now, um, but have been board members. These are, these, when we go out and do this, we're representing a lot of other people. We're representing people that have um, built this building, done some things uh, over the years, and established something. Guys, we want to make sure that we're setting direction and precedence in a lot of different ways. And so the, the scripture says stuff where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, that's a big thing for us in our church and our leaders, and it's also a big thing for us with our board. They have to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ, or they shouldn't be board members, right? I think we all know that. So follow me as I follow Christ. We're setting a lot of precedence with a lot of things. Why don't you stand with us, and uh, we're going to pray. Some of you, if you'd like, come up and gather around these board members. And uh, you're, you're, praying, you're not praying for them specifically, although you can. You're praying more for the bigger picture. You're praying for direction. You're praying for the, the, the church in a bigger sense. This is just a major transitional point for us that we're starting right now. And uh, we just want to make sure that we're on the right track, that we're doing the things that we're supposed to. And then as soon as we do this, we're going to go outside and a few different things. You can go around the building. You can drive. 
Um, you cannot go downstairs and cut through the children's part until the children are out of there. That's a secure place. You cannot go down there. But you can drive around, you can walk around, that kind of thing. And then when we're done with that, we're going to come back up here and eat. Right? So, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for where we are right now, Lord. We know it's been an a, a interesting, difficult journey. But God, we also believe in your sovereignty and your timing. And so, God, we submit that to you. We do ask you to, to keep our focus on what it needs to be. Lord, we know we need to accomplish this task. We know there's a lot of stuff in front of us with this. We've got um, months and months and months of stuff that are going to be happening around here. And God, we're trusting you. But God, we also know that you're the author of all this, and so you're going to be the finisher too. And we thank you for that. Lord, um, financially, we're going to need a lot of blessing to make this happen. I ask you to, to stir all of our hearts in this building. But God, even people outside this that don't even know yet, you're going to stir their heart, and we're going to see this happen in a supernatural way. And God, as we break the ground, we're doing this in dedication to you, not in dedication to Church of Briargate, but in dedication to you that you're the king. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We will all head out as much as you want. You can also take off. We are not taking attendance down there. Um, sort of. But we'll head down there. You can wait up here if you don't want to do that. Or you can watch out the windows here if you don't want to walk around. And then we'll come back up for lunch. <laughs>